Who's the person who said the only person you can change is yourself? Seriously. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, in the first place, the idea that you can control yourself and you can only control yourself, I don't even know if that's even true. I mean, how many times do we do things that we don't plan on doing or we sabotage our own success by doing things that we didn't plan on doing? I mean, how much control do we have over ourselves? I mean, we need to think about that. So the idea that you can't change anyone but yourself, coming from the idea that the only person you can control is yourself, creates this false illusion that if we can't control anyone but ourselves, which isn't a clear, true idea, and we can't change other people except for ourselves, it creates this huge gap, this huge void of trying to find a way that we can make an impact on other people. No man is an island, as it has been said. That means everybody is connected. And the greater the sense of connection we have with someone, the greater our influence. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. But what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. Today I'm going to be talking about how do we get people to think differently, act differently, believe differently, and we are going to maximize the outcome of our conversations by maximizing our influence with other people. We're going to use social and psychological rules that exist and apply those rules in such a way that we can maximize our influence. Now, when I say this, there's going to be many people who hear this and go, wait a minute, is he talking about how to manipulate people? I mean, that doesn't sound very fair. Now, that's what's happened. That's what's happened with this world. As soon as I say, I want to change the way people think, feel, and do, now I'm a manipulator. Well, the reality is we're always doing it anyway, and then we pretend like we're not. I call that manipulation. The reality is, is we're always trying to get people to think, feel, and do things differently because we want to connect differently. Every time we share an opinion or a preference, we want them to change what they think, feel, and do. We want them to understand us better. Well, that's changing the way they think and changing the way they feel. Otherwise, we would have to accept that how they understand us just isn't going to change. So let's just accept that we're all, the people that we're the closest to especially, do want to influence, change what other people think, feel, and do so that we can better meet each other's needs, create greater closeness, greater peace, greater satisfaction and fulfillment in life. I say, if you're not complaining, then you're not trying to connect. If you don't complain, you don't care. One of the first and most important skills we need to develop to maximize our ability to create change 
is the ability to define and accept reality. Now, most of us think, what are you talking about? Like, I can define and accept reality. Well, let's talk about the parable of the hole in the sidewalk. And then you tell me if you and I are similar in how maybe there's some things that we have defined as reality, but we haven't yet accepted. So imagine you're walking down the sidewalk. It's a beautiful day, nice and clear. The birds are singing. It's a zippity-doo-dah day. You're in no hurry. And up the sidewalk, you see what looks like a large hole. And as you get closer to that hole, you're going, no one even covered this hole. Someone should have covered the hole. And you walk closer to the hole, and you realize that this hole is a big hole. It's, a, it's got a big pile of dirt the size of a car right next to it. And so you're saying to yourself, you know, someone should have at least put some like caution tape around this hole so that people don't fall in. And as you get close, you think, you know, someone should have just at least put a barricade or a sign or something that says, hole, danger, don't walk into the hole. And what if you continued to walk and fell into the hole? Now you're thinking, oh my gosh, what kind of a person sees the hole 100 yards away and continues to walk in the direction of the hole, doesn't change directions, and falls into the hole. Emil, come on. What kind of person does that? Well, the kind of person that makes decisions based on what things should be instead of how they are. In psychology, we have a term for people who make decisions about how things should be instead of how they are. We don't say they're crazy. We say they're delusional. Yep, delusional. Let me tell you how I found out I was delusional. So my kids are in junior high and elementary school about this time. And um, my wife, she's gone to Bunko or something. She's gone for the night. So it's just me and my three boys. I'm ready for this. I'm a good dad. I got this. I can handle this. So after the kids have been fed and the corn dog sticks are tucked away into the garbage and the counters are wiped off and homework is done, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Yeah, kids are happy. They're getting along. We're doing good. So it's time for dad to get some dad stuff done and my kids, they want to watch a show. So they're watching a show. I'm doing dad stuff, answering emails, working on a project, you know. Bedtime's 8.30. At 8.15, I walk into the TV room while the kids are watching TV, and I say, hey, boys, it's about bedtime. It's time to turn off the TV and get ready for bed. And I leave them to take care of themselves as I go into the front room slash office where I work on dad stuff. I'm doing my typing, and I am doing my sports checking, you know, social media slash, you know, business stuff. I mean, I got my chores done. So I, 8.30 comes, and TV's still on. So I walk down to the TV room and say, hey, boys, it's 8.30. It's time for bed. Let's turn off the TV and get ready for bed. And then I go back up to the front room slash office and get back to answering my emails and doing dad stuff. And as I'm sitting there doing dad stuff, I'm imagining what's going to be happening as my wife comes home and sees the kitchen is clean, the homework done, the kids in bed. This is going to be a very nice night. And as I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, 
In my um, acceptance speech of Father and Husband of the Year, my mind gets alerted to some commercial that's going on with the TV. I look at my watch and it's 10 to 9. So I go into the TV room and you're not going to believe where my kids are. Yep. Sitting there staring at the TV. Now, I go in there and I'm frustrated because I had already told them it was time to turn off the TV two times ago. So listen in as you will hear me admit I'm delusional. This is not a proud moment. Please don't judge. Boys, you have got to be kidding me. This is the third time I've had to come in here and tell you to turn off the TV and get ready for bed. This is ridiculous. I can't believe it. I have to raise my voice before you move. This happens every single night. Can't believe it. Okay, hold on a second. Those two lines, this happens every single night, and I can't believe it, should not ever go side by side in a conversation. Because as I'm sitting there, listening to what I'm saying, time freezes. And I'm just listening to what I just said. Emil, if this happens every single night, why are you so surprised? That's when I realized I was delusional. I had literally stepped into the hole. I saw this coming a mile away. And yet I did nothing different to change my course of action to create a different outcome. I used the same logic as I did when I was walking toward the hole and stepped into it. I used all sorts of phrases like, they should be able to put themselves to bed. They should be able to turn off the TV. They should be able to put their pajamas on. They should, they should, they should, they should. The reality is, is should means that which most likely will not happen, not that which will most likely happen. And so we don't, we don't use the word should to describe things that do happen. We talk about them as if they, well, when they don't happen. So I became delusional. Well, that's when I realized I was delusional. Can you relate? How about when your four-year-old, or 14-year-old for that matter, tells you how unfair something is, and you launch into an explanation for why it is or isn't supposed to be fair or is fair, and do our children ever say afterwards, you know, mom, that, that makes so much more sense. Dad, dad, thank you so much for explaining the reality that there's no such thing as fairness. And I'm so glad that you've told me that there's no such thing as fairness, because if I accept that now while I'm young, I won't be so disappointed in the future. This is going to save me a lot of pain. You tell me what teenager or four-year-old is going to say that. But we explain how things are fair or not fair anyway. How about the guy who gets in the car and is driving, and as he's driving behind, he's got got his hands behind, you know, his hands on the wheel, he's driving, he's driving down the highway, and he starts talking to other drivers. He starts to maybe even raise his voice at other drivers. And then he says to himself, oh my gosh, This is ridiculous. This happens every single day. I am surrounded by a bunch of terrible drivers. Now, not only is he delusional because he actually thinks that maybe today people will actually be pretty decent drivers, uh, he's also crazy because he's talking to people that can't hear him. That's 
crazy, and delusional. Now, once I realized how delusional I was, in other words, how I had not accepted reality, even though I had defined it, I decided I was going to change what I did, how I handled my evening routine. And I used a new strategy. Emo, if you can predict it, prepare for it. If you can predict, prepare. Okay, so could I predict that there would be a high likelihood that my kids would not turn off the TV unless I was there? Mm -hmm. Yes, so when I ask them to turn off the TV, I need to stay present and maybe even in front of the TV while I say, hey boys, it's time to turn off the TV. Do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? Dad, I got it. Click, the TV goes off. So the next thing I need to do is walk them into the bathroom so that they can get ready for bed and, you know, take a shower. Now, when I walk them into the bathroom, I say, hey, do you need me to help you get undressed or can you do, Dad, I got this. Awesome. Now, because of my failures in the past, I learned that my kids, when they were little, they probably would freeze to death because once they get out of the shower, because there's no more hot water, they will stand there dripping wet and not know how to dry themselves off. So what I do, what I did was I put a towel on the toilet and said, hey, towels on the toilet, go ahead and dry yourself off and then hang your towel up when you're done. Now they would need extra help for that because I would predict that they would actually take the towel into their bedroom, put the wet towel on their floor. So I would have to walk them into their bedroom and show them how to hang up the towel. Now, after they got all dried, they would need to put their pajamas on. So I would get their pajamas out and lay their pajamas out and get their fresh, clean underwear right there by their pajamas so they would remember to put their underwear on before they put on their pajamas. And I would lay it out because I could predict the problem that would happen if I didn't prepare. Now, as soon as they got out of the shower, the rule was whisper time. Well, we tried sign language, but that didn't work. We just couldn't communicate, so we ended up whispering, and we kept it as a whisper. And that kind of quieted everybody down, relaxed it, the whole household, so everybody could be more ready instead of getting riled up, get ready for bed. Then I learned another lesson. You know when you get your kids to bed? They're finally in bed. They're tucked into bed. It's been a peaceful evening because everything's going smooth. I don't know about your kids, but once I got them into bed, they would say, Dad... I'm starving. So, once I was able to predict that, I prepared for it. So, while the kids were getting ready for bed, I was getting a snack ready. So, as soon as they got their pajamas on, they come upstairs, we have a snack, it's whisper time. And then, if I say, hey, brush your teeth, that ain't gonna happen. So, what do I do when it's snack time? I'm getting their toothbrushes loaded with toothpaste. So, as soon as they're done with the snack time, they can brush their teeth and go to bed. Whoa. That's a lot of work. Well, I can keep telling myself that they should do something by verbal parenting or I, need to, I needed to show up as an active parent. Now, once I followed the principle of defining and accepting reality by using the strategy of if you can predict, prepare, I changed the entire night. Instead of it ending with dad losing it, and getting mad and angry and yelling, which riled things up and made the night terrible, we had a peaceful night. And as the nights went by, they needed less and less of my help. And so by being an active dad, what I did influenced what they thought, how they felt, and what they did.
How do we ignore the reality? What do we tell ourselves should be different without anticipating, predicting, and preparing for it? The more we take time to evaluate the reality instead of what we think should be, the more we can look into ourselves and find out, well, what can I do? If I want a different outcome, what can I do? And there's always something that you can do. There's always something that you can do. And if you keep looking about what you can do, you'll find the answer. If you don't think about what you can do, then you cannot change your outcome. And that's what's going to make someone a victim. If you want to learn more ways to communicate and create greater connection, make sure you get a free copy of my book. All you have to do is go to emilharker.com and click the link that says free book. You're going to pay for shipping and handling, which is like $7.95, which is pretty decent. Or you can just get the ebook. The ebook is only a buck. Now, if you have Audible, you can just go to Audible and get the audiobook. The audiobook, just be aware, I do go off script a little bit as I get motivated to share more stories or go into depth about things. But all the material is in the ebook, the audiobook, and the print book. And you can get the print book for free, just $7.95 shipping and handling, if you want to learn more. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you get every time I put out a new podcast, you can hear it. If you have any questions that you want me to address in a podcast, please email me at email at emilharker.com. I can't wait to hear from you.